oh my god we have an exciting new client literati oh it's the number one book club for kids oh yeah i had to do some digging to find people young enough but my ex just had a baby my nephews three and seven years old <laughs> so perfect we sent it to both of them we're going to get reviews it is for ages zero to 12 yeah right and it, uh, library schools bookstores are all closed yeah right literati has you covered with something truly re- unique this subscription book club for kids was founded by two women to make it easy to find interesting books delivered right to your doorstep no more scrolling online trying to find that perfect book for your child or to give as a gift each literati box contains five books based on a theme with exclusive original art personalized note to your child what kid doesn't love receiving something in the mail Home delivery, super important right now. And with their curated selection, only keep your favorites. Send the rest back for free for a limited time. Try it with Travis's nephews. Go to literati.com slash Stephanie for 25% off your first two orders. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go to literati.com slash Stephanie, 25% off your first two orders. That's literati.com slash Stephanie. Terms and conditions apply. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Live exclusively for WCPT in Chicago, standing up and speaking out, here's Hal Sparks. You know, as the president spent his first weekend out of the White House since the beginning of uh, his pretending to care about the pandemic, um, I think it would behoove us to uh, sort of have a retrospective as we look back on some of the statements that he said about this and 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 I I do this also sort of preemptively to deal with the, the the certain level of troll hunting that we all have to do these days, um, uh, in between the bleach drinkers and the uh, showing up at a courthouse armed to uh, protest the democratically elected officials who are acting in the public interest who have. Um, restricted public travel and business for in many cases less than a month if at all with weapons uh because they fear tyranny as if showing up with a gun isn't tyrannical in the face of of a democratically uh arranged circumstance where we've all gone hey i I think this person might be a good manager of my state. I think uh, these folks might be good people. And we as messy, like, you know, the, the democratically elected leaders have looked at us, uh, recognized, oh, the dance music is happening today. It's good times. Um, so in the case of, uh, <laughs> in the case of um, the, uh, you know, democratically elected officials that, that we as a collective have have decided should run our states and you can differ with them and that's there's nothing wrong with that and certainly protest is valuable but the idea of showing up to protest with a gun is effectively making yourself the tyrant i think we can all agree because if you're if you're fearing you know that the un shock troops are coming with long guns to take your liberty away and your response to that <clears throat> is to preemptively go outside and take everyone's liberty away by threatening them with guns or violence because they're trying to manage a crisis. Uh, anyways, we, we've seen a bunch of that. And uh, thank you, Hal Vickery, for the Adopted Derp Fund. It's, it, it's incredibly important. Thank you, Billy, as well. Thanks, everybody in the chat room for joining me as well today. Um, such a, it, it's, it's always such a joy to talk to you guys. I mean, I've been streaming every single day during this and, and I will be going forward. Um, hi Nat. Um, and it's going to be basically like a three o'clock every day kind of thing. And we'll just kind of gather what the white house has been doing. But I noticed that when we're talking about these things, as we, as they are testing the waters to get the country back online and try to move us from essential businesses only to what is an essential business to non-essential businesses to just business and and let me be abundantly clear there will be an america beyond coronavirus there will be handshakes and hugs again there will be large crowd gatherings get that through your head and if you don't believe me go back to the footage uh that's available from the 20s film footage that's available from the 20s, less than six months after the Spanish flu had finally subsided. 
and a large without any of the the medical advances that we have in antiviral therapies, any of the medical advances in having ventilators or hospitalization or even cleanliness. Um, less than six months after the final outbreak of what we view as the final outbreak of the Spanish flu, there were enormous gatherings of huge groups of people. Thank you, Eo. Um, and and the 60s happened after the Spanish flu. They happened after the tuberculosis epidemic, where hospitals were jam-packed with people in during the tuberculosis epidemic, which they called the White Plague, interestingly enough, and I think it was largely due to the color of the phlegm. Um, people who were caught, you know, were coughing into rags on a train were rounded up and put in sanatoriums. And their highest level of treatment in some cases was just to put them out in the sun a couple of hours a day, hoping that sunlight was in fact the best disinfectant. Um, I, if you'll recall, um, I, one of my claims to fame besides is uh, the fact that I spent the night in a haunted sanatorium with Gary Busey. Well, the way this place allegedly became haunted in the first place is because it was a sanatorium set up in Kentucky during the, uh, tuberculosis epidemic, and and uh, up at one point, I, something in the order of like twenty six thousand people died in that building alone. There were so many deaths they had to build a tunnel out the back of the hospital because um, they they wanted to hide the volume of bodies going out because it caused the people who were in there in the hospital who saw the number of bodies being taken away out the front of the building to jump off the roof. So they literally dug a tunnel so that the people who were being treated wouldn't see the uh, the uh, the bodies. Less than a year later, uh, there were ticker tape parades and large dance gatherings and sports as we know it and all those kind of things. So understand the country will get to that point. So um, it's a matter of how long, though, because if you said in in 1921 uh it's time we start getting back on our feet as a country and and people start going out again it would have made a tremendous amount of sense in 1920 even 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 as it petered out even and that was largely because quite frankly the the spanish flu uh killed itself almost over time by killing all the people within its scope that it limited its R not not by uh, people not being able to be in contact with each other, but by those people dying in in a certain area, all the susceptible people dying, and we just were not as connected as society. So it, it, eventually, it just burned itself out in many ways that way. A lot of things like that. So there will be a version of the United States and society and all these things where all that comes back. Just know that as a fact. The question is how, and how do you do it while mitigating the number of deaths? Because all those previous situations, there really wasn't a choice. There was not the antivirals and the, and the therapies and the vaccines available or the even ability to craft those kind of things, there certainly were not enough mechanical ventilators for people. It was mostly hospice care, and you just watched it play out helplessly. And, and then somehow, almost by prayer, it was over. Even though there were many people working to limit it and stop it and do all kinds of things. So we are now in a new position where we have available to us uh, modern medicine, modern technology, tracking and tracing, all these things that were just non-existent back during the Spanish flu, during tuberculosis, maybe just sort of coming online with polio, for example, and certainly becoming more vibrant during the AIDS epidemic, with testing being an integral part of the, of the human response to the disease and, and mitigating therapies uh, being developed until a, a what's effectively a treatment that brings the viral load to zero could be happening, which um, Gilead was a part of. But one of the first people to, I, I think there were two, there are officially two people who have been completely uh, cured of AIDS, of HIV, 
Um, and they all happened in the last year and a half because of ongoing technology that's just been developing over the course of 30 years in, de in dealing with this disease. But the ability to inform the public and, you know, and the, the storyline about you're not, you know, you're not just sleeping with one person, you're sleeping with every person that they've slept with. And that, you know, that public information move and the ability to reach everybody through cable news, which it just, you know, it reached its four in the late 80s, early 90s, regular uh, television and internet usage, those kind of things were simply not available. They were not there. And so when you had millions of deaths from those diseases, there, there really was no recourse. People were ignorant of the threat until it was upon them, and then they were dead. We do not live in that timescape. We live in a time where you have recourse, where you have the ability to inform the public and save lives through that information, that trace tracking and those therapeutics and all the, the, the medical technology we have to bring to bear. So using the metric of past epidemics to judge our current behavior is, first of all, lazy. But secondly, it lets us off the hook if we don't live up to the challenge of our time. And in many ways, the American people and the people of the world are. They really are. Um, the ability to Netflix and chill as a lifestyle in many first world countries was non-existent during tuberculosis, non-existent during the, the Spanish flu, and, and uh, certainly impossible during the Black Plague, although I'm, I'm sure, you know, the Shakespeare's of that time did some of their best writing at home. But point being is we have the responsibility partly comes from something that people give you the charge to do. But the other main part of responsibility is that capability of response. We did not have five years ago, 10 years ago, certainly 20 years ago, and definitely not 100 years ago, the response ability that we have today. We, we did not. We didn't have food supply chains that could protect that could be protected. We did not have the the mass transit highways, all those things that are available to us. We take for granted now the infrastructure that it's is it infrastructure week? It's still infrastructure week. All those things that we take for granted were not available to us during the Spanish flu, weren't available to the people during the Black Plague, weren't available during the tuber tuberculosis epidemic. And therefore the deaths from those things were the there were just mitigations that could not be done they can be now and when we don't people die that need not die when we come back i want to talk about some of that mitigation and how the math is incredibly frightening and this idea that we should rush to open the country again and it is madness and the continued mitigation is necessary, at least for another short window, with the knowledge that not only will we get back to some sense of slow normal while we track and trace, but also regular human interaction without gloves and masks and all that kind of stuff. That we're not all gonna walk around dressed like the Mandalorian, however cool that would be. Kinda, to be completely frank, I think that would be awesome sometimes. There you go. Uh, we'll be back right after this. It's the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on WCPT Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk. Thank you, Hal Vickery, for the for the super chat. I greatly appreciate it. And thank you, Natalie. And thank you, Tom. And thank you, Green Seeker 100. Uh, and thank you, EO. And I want to miss me. Thank you, Amber and Billy Hutchings. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll be back right after this. Now let's get back to Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. Um, by the way, everybody who's uh, watching on the live stream, please uh, uh, tweet out the show if you could and let everybody know. We're not streaming on uh, Periscope and uh, certainly not Facebook today, but we're not on Twitch as well because Restream's having some issues uh, going to multiple sources. I don't quite know what it is, but um, 
I it went straight to YouTube worked, and I'm not messing with a good thing right now. There you go. Uh, so, um, anyways, and bless you guys for showing up, and we appreciate it. I um, I know before I before I get to our uh, our first caller, and we have them seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. I would like to remind everybody of a of a bit of the timeline um, of this mitigation. And the one that I think is the most important, and I want you to consider this, and I want you to mull over the the math of this in your head, that two and a half months ago, according to the President of the United States and all available data, we had somewhere between 11 and 15 cases, 11 and 15 cases. There were 11 people to 15 people who had COVID-19 in the United States. That's all. That's the number. That's how many people in a country of 350 million people, 15 people at most had COVID-19. And two months later, we are at 65,000 dead. And now, and, and by the way, that's with full mitigation. That's with a, 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 a huge uh, slow the spread CDC warning. Everybody stay inside. Everyone, all hands on deck. You know, everybody's avoiding contact, wearing gloves and masks, going to the store. As much as you could expect the American public to do that, we've done it. And with all that, we went from 15 cases to having 65,000 citizens dead in about six weeks. Um, and, And most of the dead happened in a month's time. The majority of that 65,000 in one month, 30 days from 15 cases. 15 people traveling through the country or arriving in New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Seattle. And from those 15 cases, 65,000 people dead. Now I want you to, and, and that is with everybody staying home, schools being shut down, everything but non-essential business being uh, you know closed down. 30 million people effectively losing their jobs. That's with everything. And now states and, and quite frankly, most of the country want to reopen right now. I mean, they wanted to do this days ago. They want to start opening right now and going back to normal with a million cases. If 15 cases led to 65,000 dead with full mitigation, what do a million cases with half mitigation lead to? This, I mean, and that, and by the way, uh, people in the chat room are rightly pointing out that Trump said it would just disappear, it would just wash through, which has, which reeks of the, and, an element of getting rid of the undesirables and then grinding to a halt. Um, so this is, I would like to remind everyone that on, you know, as, as we look back, let me see if I can pull this up on screen so the folks that are watching on the stream or want to watch later can see this. The, let me start with, on uh, January 31st, Secretary Azar declared a public health emergency for the United States. And this was part of the statement. While the virus poses a serious public health threat, the risk to the American public remains low at this time, and we are working to keep this risk low. We are committed to protecting the health and safety of all Americans, and this public health emergency declaration is the latest in the series of steps the Trump administration has taken to protect our country. The emergency declaration gives state, tribal, and local health officials more flexibility to request 
that HHS authorized them to temporarily reassign state, local, and tribal personnel to respond to 2019 COVID, if, uh, if their salaries normally are funded in whole or part by the public health service. It's just a, if you have to move around people to treat folks. Um, this was on the 31st. The travel advisory that was put forth uh, uh, by the uh, um, State Department. That happened on February 2nd. February 2nd, uh, the State Department put out a travel advisory. Do not travel. Avoid all international travel due to the global impact of COVID-19 to China. Not, uh, a, not enforceable in any way. It was just a warning. It was a level four. Um, but it, was, it recognizes, curiously enough, um, that on January 23rd, the, 20, the Department of State ordered the departure of all non-emergency U.S. personnel and their family members from Wuhan. January 29th, the State Department allowed for voluntary departure of non-emergency uh, emergency personnel, family members of U.S. government employees from China. Um, this, and this warning came for everybody else on February 2nd. Um, Italy um, stopped travel from China January 30th, the day before Alex Azar declared a public health emergency. And Trump restricted travel entry into the U.S. from China. That came after Italy had done it. And Delta, United, and American Airlines had ceased flights from China and to China. They were like, uh, I think American and United stopped flying people to China because they didn't want their staff to go there and come back. So um, this is, yeah. So moving, and this is an interesting aspect of the the Trump uh, quote travel ban. And, it, and they, by the way, he calls it a ban. He loves to call it a ban because ban sounds like something serious. And what it was, was it restricts entry into the U.S. from China. Um, uh, day after Italy did it, and we know how badly Italy was hit, they had two cases at the time. Um, the Moving to counter the spreading coronavirus outbreak, the Trump administration said Friday that it would bar entry by most foreign nationals who had recently visited China and put some American travelers under quarantine as it declared a rare public health emergency. Let me read that again. Would bar entry by most foreign nationals who had recently visited China and put some American travelers under a quarantine as it declared a rare public health emergency. The temporary restrictions followed and now followed followed, followed, not led, followed announcements by American Airlines, Delta Airlines, and United Airlines that they would suspend air service between the United States and China for several months. Italy shut down travel uh, into Italy from China uh, the day before, and American Airlines, Delta Airlines, and United Airlines all shut it down And then Azar finally was able to convince Trump that it was time to do it. After the barn door was already closed, they decided to close the barn doors. Uh, The travel disruption sent uh, shock through the stock market and rattled industry that depend on the flow of goods and people between the two companies. S&P 500, they go straight to the stock market. That's, uh, I mean, that's the New York Times for you. That's New York. The government travel restrictions, which will take effect on Sunday evening, they weren't immediate. Um, and thank you, Gary Beerman, for becoming a patron and recommending it to everybody. I appreciate that. Bless you. Um, the uh, government travel restrictions, which will take effect on Sunday evening, were announced by Alex Azar, the Secretary of Human Health and Services, who declared the coronavirus po- uh, posed a public health emergency in the United States. That's the one I was uh, reading before. The administration's action will restrict all foreign nationals who have been to China in the past 14 days from entering the United States, the restriction does not include immediate family members of American citizens and permanent residents, meaning uh, permanent residents don't have to be citizens. So the idea that he was saying it's just Americans coming in, 
Nearly 3 million Chinese residents traveled back to the United States in 2018, uh, traveled to the United States in 2018, according to federal database on travel records. The travel restrictions and the airline's announcements showed how rapidly concerns about the virus have escalated into a grave test of global economy, for which there is no recent precedent. Recent. Mm-hmm. Three weeks after the first virus-related death was reported, China was has found its, itself increasingly cut off from its biggest trading partner in the United States and many other nations. Chinese officials said on Saturday there would be four, uh, an additional 46 deaths in the country, the most so far in a 24-hour period. Oh, how young we were. The, the importance of this and the recognition that this came, Trump's uh, restrictions, which were only about non-citizen ethnic Chinese who weren't already married to someone um, and had no Im- implications for permanent residents of the United States or people who had green cards who work here constantly, H1N1, uh, H1N1, which the, it, I'm mixing up my diseases and my visas. Um, none of the, uh, the high-level work visas, the executive visas were affected by this. Um, and Azar made the announcement, not Trump. Because he, they just thought it would, you know, this would be a temporary thing. It would go away. They could do a little uh, disaster econ. I got to take a break. When I come back, uh, we got to check in from old Bob. Um, I blew through that whole break. I was crazy. You know, this there's a lot of information to get out. But I just want to remind anyone who calls in and goes, Trump, I cut off. I did the best. I cut off. Travel, we banned, we stopped very early, and no one wanted to do it. No one wanted to do it. Yeah. Why'd you do it after all the airlines, after China stopped travel out of Wuhan, after Italy, after 40 other countries? Because that's leadership. We'll be back. This is Tom Hartman, and you're listening to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide on Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT. We've got uh, some callers on the line, but none more important than our uh, weekly check-in from Old Bob. Um, I hear he is with us. Is he with us? <laughs> Old Bob, yay! How are you, sir? How was your week? Uh uh, oh, so so. Anyway, I'm I'm just ducky, my lad. Just ducky. But enough about <laughs> me. How how are uh, how are you and Young Johnny doing? We're doing all right. He's he's not here today because he uh, his wife needed the entire internet for work, so he can't. <laughs> he doesn't have any bandwidth to spare to join us on the show, which is a a, a malady that is going uh, along uh, going around rather. Um, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm, I miss my kid cause we're separated during this whole thing and I can't see him until, um, the lockdown is lifted to some degree. So I'm weathering that storm emotionally as best I can. And we had a, a queers folk reunion on the internet yesterday that was quite tearful and lovely. So that was, you know, there's some stuff, you know, but, uh, but I appreciate you asking. That's very sweet of you. Um, you, you, yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad to, glad to hear things are going along. Um, they are. Uh, my, uh, whether we like it or not, right? Well, you know, uh, last week, as mm-hmm. best I can recall it, you were working on a list of, uh, uh, little. Donnie Von Lady Fingers greatest hits. Yes, yeah, we're um, we're compiling, uh, you know, my, uh, you know, as many samples as I can get. Once of- it was reluctantly aroused, it was hard to get it aroused, and it is hard to get it aroused. But we got it aroused. You know that there's so much uh, out there that it is it it is like looking for hay in a needle stack. Um, and, you know, every every time I go after one, I'm like I I get wounded and have to pull back. Uh, but the but I will do my best. You know, I and partly that's what I was going through today with this constant. There are two big 
you know, references he always makes. One is we had the best economy ever, um, which, by the way, was a, 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 a first of all, the economy was on the exact same arc it was when he came into office. And he was constantly gassing it and and uh, and and stoking as much fire as he could. They were he was artificially shoveling more coal into the engine. Uh, it was it was all borrowed coal because we're doing you know we he's got double the deficit of the Obama years. He doubled defense spending, which is another way to you know artificially infuse the economy without actually creating anything. Um, and you know it's for a long term you know stuff we're going to blow up later, not like bridges and whatnot. And and so and then giving a huge tax break, which is a fake infusion as well. So doing all those things. He still was on the exact same arc that when he came into office. So that's that is the hard part in dealing with, uh, you know, with the the volume of stuff that we're dealing with. So I so I went back into that. And then I also want to go back into this whole idea that he banned travel. And if he hadn't done it. And then the other one is the um, we would have had two million deaths if we hadn't done anything. We constantly hear that. He's that's his one thing. They were talking about one million to two point six million deaths. He keeps mentioning that. That number is based on zero mitigation, taking no effort and no action. And if you're the leader of a country and that's one of your options, you're a maniac. <laughs> am, I, am I wrong in that respect? If if you're no, thinking, no, well, no. what if I just let it roll? No, no. What if I let it just steamroll the public? I mean, I can hide up here, right? I can hide away. What if I just let it go? And you know, that whole year he's like, ride him cowboy. When he was saying, somebody said, just ride it out. Some people were saying, we should just ride it out. We should just let it ride him cowboy. He even said, ride him cowboy. Um, you know who said that to him? Him. That was a voice in his own head. He later admitted that he asked Tony Fauci that very thing, that he was the one that brought that up. So... Um, so, yes. Yeah, so that's part of the gathering. But I, you know, I feel like the the between the Biden campaign and, uh, you know, and the Lincoln project, they're making compilations of all that video. And I'll just, you know, counteract them with facts, uh, you know, the uh, his statements with facts every Saturday as best I can. Well, I was just wondering, I don't know if anybody brought it up, but. On that list, I wonder if um, should be added the fact mm -hmm. of his, the, the one ability he seems to unfortunately uh, have at least some success on uh, is his ability to find uh, methods of uh, destroying good government by, uh, mm -hmm. uh, through his cabinet, picks and uh, department heads that he comes up with that just go out like termites and destroy whatever the, he puts them in charge of. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he just got rid of uh, the IG in, uh, you know, in charge of uh, the, the Department of Health and Human Services because they're the ones who would oversee where the funds at HHS that were mandated by the CARES Act and the and the extra money that was given by Congress and the eight billion dollars that they gave to fight uh, COVID-19, where that money was actually going. And if we had it, here's the weird part. If we had a real billionaire president where he really was worth over, you know, a billion dollars and he wasn't just lying about it and had been lying about it for decades, um, we wouldn't have to worry so much because we wouldn't worry that he was shoveling money out to his cronies to pay some of his debts the way he did with his fake foundation. But we really do have to worry about where that money is going because without his, his properties were in the red before he became president and they've gotten worse since because of bad practices, but it, the only thing keeping them afloat is the government spending at those properties. One of the reasons he does as much golfing at his own properties and staying at his own properties as he does is to pay the rent, is to pay the, you know, the mortgage on those properties using taxpayer funds. He gives his salary every, you know, to charity every year to the tune of like $400,000, you know, and he makes a big show of it 
but then he takes somewhere in the area of he's taken 342 years of presidential salary in payments to his properties, one of which is now his home address in Florida. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, we have to take right. a, a break. Uh, oh, oh, Bob, but uh, I I'm so glad you're well and I appreciate you asking how I am. That was very sweet of you. And uh, I'm glad you're doing you, right. you, you sound chipper. Hey, we got to keep you going. We got to keep you going. That's right. I got to keep soldiering through this. You know, that's we're all at that uh, like one foot in front of the other part. You know, I I find great inspiration in the movie First Man, um, among others. Um, but that idea of just stoically going, you know, as bad as the setbacks get and as hard as they can hurt and as much as there's, you know, plenty of sadness to go around, you stand up. You step forward and you do your best to help as many people as you possibly can. And there are so many people doing that every single day that I find that inspiring. And and for those people and their safety, that's who we, you know, we continue to stay at home and mitigate and all those kind of things. And and for people like yourself, oh, Bob. So thanks for calling in, brother. We'll check in with you next week. Please have a great week. Um, this is how Sparks Radio program. Thank you, sir. The House Parks Radio program, Mega Worldwide on WCPD Radio, Chicago's Progressive Talk. My dream is that old Bob eventually moves to Los Angeles and voices a chipmunk in Disney movies. I'm, it's a dream, and I know it will happen. Um, anyways, we'll be back right after this. Oh, my God, we have an exciting new client, Literati. Oh! It's the number one book club for kids. Oh, yeah. I had to do some digging to find people young enough, but my ex just had a baby. My nephew's. Three and seven years old. <laughs> so Perfect. We, we sent it to both of them. We're going to get reviews. It is for ages zero to 12. Yeah. Right? And it, uh, libraries, schools, bookstores are all closed. Yeah. Right? Literati has you covered with something truly re- unique. This subscription book club for kids was founded by two women to make it easy to find interesting books delivered right to your doorstep. No more scrolling online trying to find that perfect book for your child or to give as a gift. Each Literati box contains five books based on a theme with exclusive original art personalized note to your child. What kid doesn't love receiving something in the mail? Home delivery, super important right now. And with their curated selection, only keep your favorites. Send the rest back for free for a limited time. Try it with Travis's nephews. Go to literati.com slash Stephanie for 25% off your first two orders. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go to literati.com slash Stephanie, 25% off your first two orders. That's literati.com slash Stephanie. Terms and conditions apply. Now let's get back with HealthSparks radio program, Mega Worldwide. Well, all right. Welcome back. So we have a couple callers on the line. Uh, let's. Uh, who do we have first, Evan? Excellent. David in Miami Beach. Hey, David. Welcome. Greetings program, since we're all virtual these days. Yes, exactly. Yeah, My, Miami-ish, right. Yeah, as far as we know. Beach, yeah. Which has no beach, which is perfect. Yeah, wow, so many things to think of. But um, is there a way we could medically check that um, candidates get a proven ability to plan that their frontal lobe is working, unlike Trump and and W? Would that be, would that be possible? Yeah. You know, I that people have been talking a lot of uh, about you know cognitive tests. The irony is is that that's the the slippery slope to. Uh, um, you know, literacy tests for voting as yeah, individuals. So, so yeah, so everybody's right. on the same, you know, so the people who run and the people who mm-hmm. vote because it's America have to be on the same level, you know, and that's the, right. you know, that's, mm-hmm. that, and they always hide behind that fact or whatever. I do think it's kind of right. interesting that, um, you know, Trump's plan for reopening and how to do it and all the stuff about what the testing metrics should be for phase one, which he can't understand that phase one right. starts after 14 days, not at the top of 14 days. Like he thinks, of course not. like, yeah, it starts now is based on, it, you know, the 14 days, then phase one, 14 days, then phase two, 14 days, then phase three. Um, he thinks mm. is phase one, then 14 days. Phase, like, he, he because gets it backwards, but that plan calendar. came. No, he cannot. And he doesn't. Well, he doesn't want to. I think it's more than just right. inability is that he's just stubbornly, you know, he needs this, yeah. the the puffed up economy because it's really his only sales point. And he stole his right. plan for reopening from Biden's op ed and the and the group that Biden put back together from the team that Trump fired and Gavin Newsom. And they were both in coordination. 
And ironically, if he had reacted in some any sane way back on January 7th, we might have had churches open by Easter. Maybe we would have yep. had a shot. Yeah, well, but he didn't want to slow the economy down. That The same reason right. he wants to open it too fast is the same reason he closed it too late. And and right. that is that is an, that will be forever if Trump is reelected his mm. measuring point for the safety of the American mm. people. So whatever the next threat is, um, Yellowstone erupting, not dead, yeah. right? A- asteroid. Like if it hurts the economy to worry about it, he's going to let it slide so long that it will cost lives because that's because his metric. Right. Yes, yeah. well, that's what I have a boring correction for you. Your, okay. your boring correction. We there was such yeah. thing as Netflix and chill. It's called My Library Was Duped Them Enough from the Tempest. <laughs> that's true. That's true. There, there was a stay on the porch and read a book and just wave it the, as the town goes by. Right. There was. Well, there was also in your library where you won't find Trump or W. Exactly. That's right. Yeah, uh, we we did have everybody. We you know we did have old versions of stuff even when we had video cassettes to watch. You know there was an element of like just stay and watch tapes of life before. Um, and which by the way, I think you're right about to some degree um, during the AIDS crisis that some people mm. re- receded and it, it's still with us as a scar that some of our receding in life, our fear of touch, mm. our uh, you know the growth towards. What now constitutes, um, you know, uh, inappropriate behavior is seeded somehow um, in our read of the stranger danger aspect of the contagion of another human being due to the AIDS crisis. That there are generations now, we're three generations in of people being born during that time. And we view even people we like with a certain level of fear and skepticism because of the scars of that. And so there is something that may carry from this, uh, you know, going forward. That we, you maybe know, how we view other people. White gloves. Maybe, maybe yeah, well, where white do you think that like came from, right? Out of Africa. That's right. Well, we all phased through that. You know, white gloves were, you know, there were white glove periods, and then everybody went, this is too, too much. And, by the way, those white gloves ended up holding on to as much contagion as they got, as they protected you from over time. Exactly. They're certainly... They're, they're good for certain things and bad for others. So, you know, as long as you can afford to wash them. If you're poor or on the edge or a worker and you don't, you, you, that's why they went strictly to leather gloves after that, that transition in humanity. You could probably, it's interesting you brought it up. You could probably trace humanity's re- like record of dealing with epidemics and contagion by the material used for gloves over time. And then the rescindance back to not using them at all. So, um, on that note, it's, I'll, that, I guess I'll, I, yeah. I guess I'll look for my old beak mask like they used during the black death. Yeah, right. The big, the big plague doctor. Yeah. So you, so the air took longer to get through your face, which they were like, maybe if your nose is longer, yeah, yeah, the virus will like, it'll get winded running up your nose and decide to just quit. (laughs) Just goes like, like it's running stairs and it's, yes, it could work. It could work. I appreciate the call. That's right. I appreciate the call and the gentle correction. You're absolutely right. Uh, that's excellent. Thanks so much. And uh, go get some sun, but stay away from other people. All right. There you go. <laughs> um, and uh, Devin, who, who else do we have? We got a couple minutes left. We can get to them before the end of the hour. Next, we have David, but from San Francisco this time. All right on. Hey, David. Are you with uh, us? Hey, uh, hell, Johnny. Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, since you're a registered uh, cartoon character, uh, Hell, mm-hmm. I want to test. Uh, I'm yeah. a big fan of Thomas Paine and Ben Franklin. You know, coming up with catchphrases during a uh, an epidemic or during a crisis mm-hmm. is sure. a big deal, right? So, as a registered cartoon character, what do you think uh, we could do with wisps and clouds? A wisp of uh, wisp. an epidemic, a cloud of an epidemic. And so oh, right. along, uh, along the lines of nip a wisp, stop a cloud. Right. I, you know, uh, and, and shelter from the storm, because that's actually, uh, you know, there are different gradations of it. And really, that's what, you know, it's it, it's a it's already a Bob Dylan lyric, you know, but but that's effectively what we're doing. We're you know, there's there's getting it out of the rain. 
And then there's going, knowing that a tornado is coming and staying inside until the tornado passes, right? Not just going out because sure. the noise has died down. Um, and, it, you know, there, maybe that's an analogy that people in certain areas of the country that feel the need to open up because they don't feel as affected because there's not any testing in their area because they're, you know, their trench is dug so deep they can't hear the, st- the storm outside their door. That's a big, you know, the there, you know, wisp of a cloud, or you know, uh, is is sort of the generalized feeling of the common cold, the flu being what it is for the people who are susceptible to it. But this is more like having a tornado at your door. Oh yeah, and there are people. Well, you know, as a matter of fact, I, I, out here in yeah. San Francisco, we we shut down the convention center on February fifth. Uh, February 4th, mm-hmm. they discovered that there was an infected guy in our convention center. And so the next day, the mayor shut it down. She just said, no more shows. Mm-hmm. And the next mm-hmm. show is going to be Facebook. You know, tens of thousands of people from all around right. the world coming down to San Francisco, go into an infected building, and then heading mm-hmm. back home. And then immediately, the show immediately after that would have been game developers video games from all around the world coming down to there yep. and then heading back out. So we stopped two shows that would have poisoned the world, right? And so our death count as of Thursday is 25. Right. And yeah, no, the, uh, I mean, hour, there was... A- Go ahead, yeah. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah, I, I thought you were in the middle. Yeah, twenty-five. Eight, we, yeah. Total. Yeah. No. Yeah. And so um, uh, we, we're at the end of the hour, but um, yeah. Yes, absolutely. There. I mean, in Vegas, there are literally plywood over the doors. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Hal Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide now time for the happy ending yay that's right yay and we have a couple of other callers so let's get to them uh who do we have Devin? first we have bob out in marshville excellent hey bob uh, welcome yeah i was just wondering if you guys got your uh your your campaign mail from mr trump except the return address says department of the treasury uh basically <laughs> It's I was I was complaining because I had direct deposit on my twelve hundred dollars and I right. didn't get a signature. Well he sent out letters that everybody's getting starting today that uh That's right. that gives them Trump's signature. And it is so cool and on the top it says pre sorted first class mail, postage and uh and fees paid internal revenue service with permit number G48. Now, I know that our our congressmen have franking privileges, and they've got to be very careful with what they send out, because if you send out anything that doesn't look like a uh, some sort of survey that's collecting information or that's mm-hmm. uh, that's being nothing but a braggart, people scream at them, uh, and they don't want to lose their franking privileges. Everybody likes a roll of stamps every now and then. But I'll tell you, if if this isn't if this isn't a campaign uh, a, a yep. campaign uh, expenditure, and, and right. the best part, yeah, and the uh, and the Department of the Treasury. Uh, mm-hmm actually is legally evidently obliged to put on your official uh, official business penalty for uh, for private use three hundred dollars. Now mm-hmm. if he sent out if he sent out one of these today to everybody that got a direct deposit last week and you multiply what? that by three hundred dollars and granted you know, the signature's worth a couple bucks, although when you send them out a million or two at a time like that, I'd imagine, you know, you know, if I had Jimmy Carter's signature, I got Barack Obama's signature on a on a picture he gave to my aunt 
uh, when she mm-hmm. was in a nursing home here in Chicago, and he was a state right. senator, right? And yeah. uh, basically, she petitioned him to get him out to the nursing home. But but uh, the, my my family's got that signature from Barack Obama. I have no idea if it's worth anything. But I'll tell you something that uh, that 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 uh, that line of script with the sharpie isn't going to be worth nothing. Uh, no. Well, I, what it will be, he's hoping it's worth to him is, is, and you're right, this is a campaign expenditure, his desire to put his signature on all these checks. This is, you know, this is, I mean, he feels like he's getting away with buying boats. I'm sure they did this. There's a couple of times where he does this kind of like side mouth smirk when he feels like he's getting one up on everybody. And that yeah, he did I, that I, when I, they I were talking about the signature. <laughs> right. That's yeah, what I mean. He's he's, he's using you. He's TV using the taxpayer. Idea. That's right. He's using the taxpayer for his campaign mailers. He's using the taxpayer to keep his properties open. The man is a fake billionaire. And again, I have said this and I will issue this challenge again to anybody. The 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 Trump organization, Trump's business has never since he took it over. I, I mean, his dad, I guess, made profit. I don't think that's that's inarguable. But since Trump took it over, the Trump organization has never operated a day in the black. There has never been a day where he's run on a dime of profit. Unlike every other American in the entire country, since, you know, with the exception of, I guess, a couple of dozen people that he knows personally in the New York real estate market who do the exact same thing. Um, and, the you know, this guy, like, he has never, never lived off the sweat of his brow or the or the fruits of his labor ever ever he's a debt vulture his properties are failures and he has never find it find a day when the trump organization made a profit even when they sold something they had to sue another bank so that they didn't that money didn't get taken from them Uh, i'm sorry we didn't get to our uh, our other caller but that was uh, you know these I tend, I got to learn the Stephanie Miller technique. I just like one sentence and hang up, but I can't do it. I like people. I will see you guys next week. Stick around for the post show. If you're on the YouTube stream, um, or if you're listening on the radio, stick around for Dick K. Thank you, Devin. Stay safe. Stay healthy, brother. Um, soldier through this. We will see you in the very near future. This is House Sparks Radio Program, Mega Worldwide. We're on every Saturday, 9 to 11 P, uh, PST, and uh, we'll see you next week. Oh, no, I don't ever want to pretend, but, yeah, the taste is-